0: When we honor His presence, when we honor Him, when we honor His calling above everything else, we encounter everything. We encounter everything that we've, we've been searching for. And I've had so many conversations with people who are fighting with one hand in the world and the other hand looking for what God has for them. And I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for this abundant life that God has for you, if you're really looking for that, for the promises, for the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this step of putting His presence in the first place, of saying, okay, I have a thousand things to do today, but I'm gonna get up and first, I'm gonna look for Him. First, I'm gonna honor His presence with all of my time, with every single day. And that is the door of entering into those promises, the door of entering everything that we're looking for, all of the questions that we have, they get resolved in this point of putting Him first, of honoring His presence over everything. And I love worshiping with you guys because I know that you guys are people that love His presence and that's why you're here worshiping with us. And that's why you're coming on on Thursday to worship with us. Yeah, I just want us to guard this heart in in every moment of our life that His presence matters more than any other thing. Jesus, I pray that you give us this revelation this morning of what it means to be called what it means to live in the plans that you have for us amen okay who of you guys is called by god okay two three five okay i don't know if your arms are hurting or what is happening but who is really called by god okay and who lives in those called who is 100 percent sure that you live in in the plans that God has for you, okay? Uh, Maybe some of you are asking why I'm asking you this. I came to listen and not to respond, but there's promises of God that will happen no matter what. This thing will happen if you like it or not, is that Jesus said that he will come back. Who's excited? Okay, I'm so excited. But there will be this day where Jesus comes back and this promise, if you like it or not, He will come back. And if you do something or if you don't do anything, He will come back. You can not follow Jesus, but He will still come back. You can not give His life to Him, and He will still come back one day. And like this, there are so many promises in the Bible that God or Jesus gave us in the Bible that those things will happen just like that, no matter what, because He said it, and those are His plans. But later, where it gets a little bit more complicated, there are promises in the Bible that won't happen like that, no matter what. They won't happen automatically. There's promises, there's callings in the Bible that God wants to pour out, that God wants to give, and I don't think that you have to be qualified in like a specific way, but what happens with the plans of God is that when you enter in the plans of God, you enter like imperfect, or at least it was, was like that with me. You enter that plan imperfect, without the capacity of doing it, without knowing anything, and 100% unqualified for this. And I don't know any person that entered his plans differently. Every single person entered like that. Because the calling that God has aren't for those who know everything and who have everything. They're for those who give a yes again and again and again and again. The disciples, they had so many opportunities to throw in the towel and, and say, okay, I don't, want, I don't want this anymore. The suffering, maybe, maybe it was the heat or whatever. I just want to be napping at home. I just want to be alone. I don't know what they said, but I know that in my life, there's been so many times that I could have thrown in the towel as well. But for me, that thought isn't really far-fetched that those disciples had many thoughts of quitting, of quitting to follow Jesus, of saying, I don't, I don't want to pay that much price. I already paid so much. I don't want to pay more. And there's promises that God has for us that are for the ones that have the heart that he gave them. People that give a yes of, of trusting again and again and again. And I would love to look at a story of a guy and he truly had this heart. If you have a Bible and you want to read it at home, it's it's a long story. We're just going to look at a few verses today and summarize the story. It's in 1 Samuel 16 to 17. And in these verses, you read about David. And before that, you read of a king who's called Saul, and that king, Saul, he started out right, but later he threw in the towel. He, He didn't obey God anymore. And the reason why, because he was scared of the people that were trying to persecute him. And when a leader is scared about the opinions of other people, he can't lead correctly. He can't lead in a strong way, can't lead in a way that God wants him to lead. And so God said, okay, I can't work with him. We need a different one. Okay. Who do we have here? And he said, okay, I found a guy who really has a heart like I have it. Who has a heart like God has, like God is a a man of my heart. And later Samuel, he, he goes searching for this guy and he finds this family with tons of sons and one son after the other. Okay. One, one has like a lot of muscles, a different one has really good hair. And so he goes from son to son. And every single time God tells him, okay, this guy, isn't it? And then he goes to the, the youngest who was working in the field where where the, even the father thought, my son, he's not qualified to be to be king. Maybe this son, maybe the other son, but the youngest one, no, he's not strong enough. Don't, I, I won't even bring him. And God says, okay, exactly that guy, because he has a heart like I want it. And if you want to walk in the plans of God, the most important is to cultivate obedience. The most important is to cultivate a yes day after day after day. Can I share a secret with you guys that I won't share or that you hopefully won't share with other people? I've never been trained to plant churches. I've never been trained as a pastor. Don't tell other people, okay? But God, for four years, he called me from one from one place to the other. The only thing that I had is to listen to his voice and do the things that he told me. For example, I think I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it anyways. Um, we went to Nepal, and Abby had the feeling that we should go to Asia. So I wanted to, to go there, I wanted to fit in, and um, I wanted to learn a language. And then I found out that there weren't even, even books to learn Nepali. From German to that language. So I bought a, a book that does it from English, but I didn't really have time. So I, I got there and I couldn't speak it. So the, the base of the missionaries that we went to, most of the missionaries, they just went on vacation and we didn't know that, but we got there and there wasn't anybody with who we could work there. There wasn't weren't any translators and we didn't know what to do. So I got up in the morning and I started praying and normally I'm I'm very bold and I love adventure and I love challenges. And in that morning, I just opened my Bible and I started praying. And that thought came, don't share that with other people, but, but the thought came, okay, Manuel, how, how dumb are you? What, how stupid are you? What are you doing here? You don't have a plan. You don't have a translator. What are you going to do? And I'm there and I'm I'm questioning, like, what am I doing here? What am I doing in, in a country where I don't even know the language? And later I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he said, Okay, just chill, calm down. I have it. I have it all. And that is the incredible, when God speaks to you about the plans he has for you, he doesn't give you all of the details. And the only thing that he says is, I've got it. Don't worry. I was like, okay, okay, what do I do next? But in that point, you have to make a decision. And that decision is either laugh about what the Holy Spirit just said or trust Him. And I decided to trust Him in that moment. I said, I don't know how, but if you have it, okay, let's go. So the best idea that we had is to take a taxi in the town, in the center of the town, because that's where the people are. And we got of the taxi and walking two minutes on the street, a guy came up to me speaking in English. And I was like, wow, you speak English. He was like, yeah, of course. Speaking English, what do you want to talk about? And so I shared about Jesus with him. And we're here to pray for people, for the sick and for the addicted. And he was like, yeah, okay, I'm Buddhist, but could I translate for you today? I was like, okay, let's go. And so the Buddhists that didn't even believe in Jesus walked with us the entire day when we were ministering to the sick, praying for miracles and to the addicts. Um, because it was like a zone of traffickers. Um, for some reason, they, they always speak to me. But there was this this mission field open, and God provided the translator. And at the end of that day, the, the translator told me, he was like, okay, what you're what yours are doing, it's cool. I like it. I know that I'm not Christian, but I like what you're doing. Why don't you come to my town? There's many sick people, a lot of children that need to listen or need to hear of Jesus. And I was like, okay, let's go. So with every single plan that God has for your life, sometimes He shows the last part. Sometimes He shows the next step. A lot of times what happens is that the details in the middle, He he won't show you. And I just want to encourage you today that you don't laugh about what the Holy Spirit tells you, that you don't take it lightly when the Holy Spirit speaks, whether it's with a lot of details or not. Because most of the people that I know, that God called into his purpose, God called to step into his calling. A lot of times they enter without knowing what the next step is. They, they don't have any idea where to live, what they will live off, or what they will do. The only thing that they know is that God invited me and I'm going to go. But you know who David is? David was one of those people. The challenge in front of him didn't matter. He had a yes. He has this yes cultivated. He has obedience cultivated. And one of the keys that I notice with obedience when he speaks to me is that I need to go right away. Because that's something that I've noticed um, with the human way of thinking and human emotions. The human way of thinking is of hearing something and then overthinking it 1,000 times. Or at least in the in the German mindset, we do that. I don't know what it is or how it's like here. But in Germany, you hear something of God and then you analyze it and then you analyze it. And we can analyze something so much or so well that I'm not even sure if it was God speaking. Why? Because I've doubted so much if I listen to God or not. And I realized that, that when He talks, I want to move right away. I want to be ready at once. Sometimes He has a calling f- for me, that's like three years. I don't have a problem with that. But most of the times when he calls me, I want to take a step because I want to live like David, who had a heart just like God, who had a yes and a commitment to, to go when God calls. I want to share three points with you that I think are keys to walk into your calling. Are you interested in that? Okay, perfect. I'm going to talk to you then. So the first in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So here in, in English, the, it says that the Holy Spirit comes powerfully upon David, powerfully on David. So what fascinates me here is that I love about the Holy Spirit is that You don't receive it, and that's it. So the sadness is that a lot of people treat the Holy Spirit like that. They received Him like ages ago. I know that I'm Christian. I know that I live with the Holy Spirit. But what I find in the book of Acts and the book of Ephesians 5.18 says that you shouldn't be drunk on wine, but drunk on the Holy Spirit and to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. So when you look at the the tense of this verb, to fill, it's something that you do constantly. It doesn't say that, that it, okay, then you drink something here or there or every now and then, but it's something that you do constantly. So one of our missionaries, Sophia, she has a bottle that's like two or three liters. It's just huge. And it has like has like a schedule on the outside. Um, like at nine, you have to drink until here. At 10, you have to drink until here. And for the entire day, it fascinates me that it seems to be, be that she's drinking enough water. She's saying hydras. Every time that I see her, she's filling that bottle up. Abby once thought it was really funny to fill that bottle up without her knowing. And Sophia was, was thinking she didn't drink enough that day. And that is what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. It means to have friends around you that think that it's funny to challenge you to fill yourself up more and more and more, fill yourself up with more because there's a revelation. That there's never enough. Sadly, a lot of churches, and I don't want to accuse anybody, I just want to be conscious that this could happen to, you, to me. That it's easy to think I have the Holy Spirit instead of constantly refilling yourself and cultivate this intimacy with Him. Okay, here it says that the, the for the calling of David, it was important to have this baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to suggest that in the, in the New Testament, it's not only one filling of the Holy Spirit. Because it says that the Holy Spirit was filled out abundantly. So that means that, yeah, to fill yourself constantly with the Holy Spirit. If you don't know how to refill yourself with the Holy Spirit, you can't walk in the calling that God has for you because the calling that he has for you is impossible in your own strengths. It's impossible to only learn something. Because of that, I started with saying that I've never learned how to be a pastor. I never went to seminary. But what I learned is to fill myself up with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is very good in teaching how to be a pastor. He has so much wisdom because when I don't have it, he has it. He is inside of me. The only thing that you need is to learn to fill yourself with His Spirit, to really cultivate an intimacy with the Holy Spirit. When I see people full of the Holy Spirit, I don't doubt to give them responsibility because I know that they have a humble heart and that they have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will show them and they will go on with it. But when people aren't full, it's hard for me to trust. Because they're gonna to try to do it in their own strength. And so it's so we have to learn to be full of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray a little bit. Father, I want to give you this morning. What else do you want to say? What do you what else do you want, Holy Spirit? So in first Samuel seventeen, thirty-four to thirty-six it says, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. So I just want to give a little bit of context here. What happened is that even though David was anointed to be king. He wasn't in the position to be king yet because Saul is king. And Saul isn't the best king, but he's king. And the Philistines thought it was a good idea to attack Israel. So the two armies would meet every day on the battlefield. And the Philistines sent out a huge man, a giant, like, I don't know how tall, three meters. And he came there every single morning and shouting, who can fight me? who can win against me. And Goliath came every single day and the reaction of the people of Israel was with fear. They were scared because in their hearts they weren't focused on God. They were seeing Goliath through their own eyes. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you see things differently. You see something impossible and you see it like it's possible. I believe that your calling is always, will always be a supernatural calling. It's always going to be a calling that you can't do in your own strengths. You can't be a disciple in your own, in your own strength. You need miracles. You need the move of the Holy Spirit day after day after day. And he wants to give you like a lens of how you can look at the impossible and say, okay, I don't look at it as impossible. That Goliath, that's easy. I've fought with lions. I've, I fought and won against bears. Two things that we can learn. One the battle in front of you will always be impossible. If the option or the si- situation in front of you seems seems easy or possible for you, it's not big enough. And I've never had fights in front of me, battles in front of me that are are easy. I always find hard or difficult battles. This was something I said when Josh was here. I asked him, "Don't you love it that?" Leadership always comes with difficult situations. And he was like, well, not necessarily. I was like, I love it. I really love this about leadership. I love the difficulty. I love the impossible in front of me. Because once you get out of this battle, wow, how crazy. I want to live 100% in what God has for me. I don't want to step back when it comes to battle. I don't want to step back when it comes to impossible situations. The battle in front of you is a battle, a supernatural battle that needs the move of God. But I want to look at this this part of David where he gives a key, where he explains how he looks at the world differently. And he says that when nobody was watching, I've seen God move. When nobody was watching, I have seen God move. And a lot of people want to enter his call and start with the things that people see. And I have this, this hurt in my heart because I value these these seasons in time where I can do things and nobody's watching. Just God, just the Holy Spirit and I. In that times I can I can learn so much and I can try out so many things. I have this 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 profoundness of this anointment on my life. So one of the first times when I started going out to the streets with people to evangelize, I was so nervous because Alone, I love praying for people. I've seen miracles, I've seen healings, I've seen salvation. So the first time when I, when they told me that, okay, now it's your turn to take these five people out and show them how evangelism is supposed to look like. And I took them to the street and I was like, oof, um, how, how, do, how do you do this? How was it again, Holy Spirit, how does it work? And suddenly I just felt like 10 eyes looking at me going like, okay show me how to do it. Show show me how to do miracles. Show me how to speak of, of God. And I just felt all this pressure and it just was so much more difficult. And I love these times where God calls you to lead other people. And of course it hurts, but it's good. But it's a healthy part of your growth. But I also value the times where he and I, solo the two of us, and he's preparing me And I'm killing lions and I'm killing bears. I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and nobody's watching. The good thing when nobody's watching is that nobody can criticize me. But as soon as I do it in front of other people, something really interesting happens here. Yeah, I'm just going to jump to the reaction of of the brothers. In verse 28, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conce- how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I believe that this is something that doesn't always have to happen, but in my life it has happened. And because of that, I want to give you the key of how to treat that, or how to deal with that. When I remember when God called me to be a missionary. The people closest to me, they didn't like it. They don't, didn't like these plans at all. My parents were advising me to first go and study and to have a career first and then go into the mission field. Because what happens if God changes his mind? Then you can't be missionary anymore. What are you gonna do then? It's like, okay, good thought. And I started praying, Holy Spirit, what do you, what do you want me to do? I want you to go to the mission field. And a lot of times the steps that God asks us to do aren't always understandable. They're, they're not always understood by human thinking because God, He's more interested in your heart, trusting Him than you understanding everything. And because of that, He guided me to the waters to take steps on the water where there's no security, where you don't know all the steps. Because in those years, a trust will grow in you, Manuel, and, and in me, God, that you're going to have this closeness and that is what you need later. That is what God wanted to build up in my life. And so if you're in a point in your calling where God is guiding you and you don't understand the next steps and you don't have the entire plan in front of you, my advice is to just relax. I'm in the same spot that I was yesterday and I will stay in the same spot because there's so many more challenges that God has tomorrow. And that's what my heart should want is to trust God with everything I have. And I believe that when Samuel anointed David to be king, David wasn't thinking of oof, some one day I have to fight against Goliath. He could have said, Okay, take my other brother, he has big arms. I think that he didn't know that day, but he was ready. That moment when Goliath came, because he has this history of fighting with lions and of fighting with bears. What do you do in your everyday life? What fights are you winning with God? Because every day there's more battles where you can get up and win with the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed how many sick people are on, from your house to your place of work? You enter the, me- the metro and there's a field of missions there. Preach the gospel. Pray for the sick. Every day there's a chance. To take on a battle that you can win with the Lord and here's what happens a lot of people have closed eyes to these battles no one not a single one of the soldiers of Israel were feeling like going up and fighting Goliath I believe that if there's there had been a single one that had the trust in God that he could win against Goliath he would have gotten up and fight Goliath but no one no one had this attitude, and they lost this victory that they could have had. Because what requi- what victory requires is a heart that says, I'm ready, God, use me, however you want me, whenever you want me, use me. I don't understand it. I don't know how. Perfect. Use me. And my only wish today is for you to leave this preaching today. And if you didn't learn anything else, but if you can leave and say, okay, From today on, I'm going to live with an attitude of heart that when He speaks to me, I'm going to go. The yes, my God has my yes. I'm going to give Him everything because this is the secret of seeing victory that God has for you. I want to finish with the testimony that I think I've already talked about, but I'm still going to share it again. So Reinhard Bonnke, one of the greatest evangelists, Um, If you look at his page, of his online page, his web page of CFAN, um, it's him and his successor and the people, his team around him. I think they've led over 75 million people to Christ. Something like that. A lot of, of zeros after that number when you look at it. And it's incredible what they have seen. And I think that it was him who said that when God called him, God told him that you aren't my first choice. I asked two other people before you, and they told me no. With all of the love, I asked you before, who lives in their calling? And I just want you to take this question with you home, because I think it's easy to be in church and think that you're in your calling, and I only feel that there is a little bit more. There's more that God has for you. There's more that He has for me, even. We can't be satisfied with thinking, okay, I am in everything that God has for me already. Because when you really live in your calling, that that tomorrow there's more. Sometimes I need Josh to come and to shake me a little bit and, and say, okay, we can do more. There's more churches to plant. There's more miracles. to so see, we can do more. Because this is what I remember that I don't want to be comfortable in what I'm doing today. I always want to have this heart this bold heart and ready heart of saying, "Okay, what other adventure is there today? What other battle can I win today? Where are you going to use me, Holy Spirit?" And I want to finish and just pray with you guys. I want to pray that God will will start forming this obedience in us. And but here's what happens: this obedience and that and that willingness of going and questioning or asking, okay, what is in front of me? I haven't seen it just come, you know, on the people. But I think that this this comes to place in the presence of God, but it requires your resp- responsibility of what you're going to do with that. So tomorrow, get up and you say, okay, God, what battle are we going to win today? Where can I give you my yes? And I promise, if you learn to win the battles against the lions and the bears in your life, the small things where nobody's watching. When God calls you to something bigger, you are already trained. And you say, okay, easy. Give me a few rocks. I'm going to go with my God because I know the strength that he has. But we have to train this in the daily life, day after day of fighting battles. So tomorrow, get up and say, okay, God, I want to give you my yes. What adventure do we have? What battle can I win with you? And I'm not saying fighting battles. I'm saying winning battles because God is victorious. Father, I pray that right now you're, you start to examine our hearts. I feel that we should be doing a prophetic act for whoever wants to, but I feel that we should do this prophetic act over Kaleo. We should kneel down just like we kneel down in front of a king and say, okay, God, here I am. Use me. And whoever wants to can do this prophetic act with me. But I believe that God wants to break and to move this this mentality in Europe. And he wants to send his servants. He wants to send his sons and daughters and say, okay, or that say, send me God. With your own words, just tell him that send you. Tell him to send you. You are King of kings, Lord, and I don't know why we start to think that we know it better than you. We want to repent of this mentality in Europe of thinking that we understand it better than you. We repent where we have thought that. And we shout, Father, send us. Send us into the nations. Send us to to bring the things that you have prepared. Send us to live in this prophetic calling that you have for us. We are here, Lord. Send us. Send us. Give us an obedient heart. A heart that's ready to follow you around every corner that you turn. Send us, Jesus. I declare that. Over the Church of Caleo Madrid, that this will be a place where people grow in obedience. A church known for obedience and a church known for this readiness of searching God. Father, break every chain and make us free to flow, free to follow this calling just like David. Break the change over us today. Make us free to be ready at every corner, at every turn. You're holy. All of this tiredness, I break it in the name of Jesus. Readiness. Just grow in the hearts today. Use us, Lord. Holy are you. Use us. I don't want to miss out on the promises that you have for us, Lord. Come, Jesus. Lift up new leaders here in church. Lift up missionaries to plant in other nations. Lift up missionaries that will be sent to other nations to see your kingdom come. Use us, Jesus. We repent of putting comfort and the necessities of life before you. Forgive us, Jesus. You are holy. Use us, Jesus. You are king come and use us come and use us lord amen and now go and search for opportunities if you don't know how that's great just because of that you need the holy spirit